Hey, I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. And I'm Trevor, and we're the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 101. You're hanging out with Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz, the writing and directing duo behind the new film, The Lodge, along with its star, Riley Keough. It's about two kids who are forced to spend a few days alone with their dad's new girlfriend in a remote lodge, and strange, spooky things start happening. The Lodge is in theaters this Friday. It's an unsettling experience that you will take home with you. It's from the creators of another amazing movie, 2014's Good Night Mommy. Riley is incredible in it. She's hilarious in our conversation as well. Let's get into episode 101. This is Severin Fiola. I'm Veronica Franz. And I'm Riley Keough. And you are trapped in a lodge with the Boo Crew. <laughs> Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us. And we're stuck in a house together. Joining the Boo Crew, they are two exceptional writers and directors who've worked on many acclaimed short films and screenplays, including the award-nominated documentary Kern in 2012. In 2014, they created the chilling feature Goodnight Mommy. This masterpiece became a festival favorite, taking home over 21 wins and 36 nominations, earning them an important place amongst the filmmakers doing truly exciting things with our beloved genre. She is a vibrant young actor and producer whose bold and creative choices have made her one of the most thrilling storytellers making films today. On screen, it's not only the unique diversity of the many characters she plays, but the inspired imagination she applies to bringing them to life that make her one of the few true chameleons in film. That magic is truly hypnotic to watch. It has earned her a Golden Globe nomination, a Gracie Allen Award for her work in The Girlfriend Experience, and in 2017 was named Woman of the Year from Elle. She has starred in dozens of TV and film projects from The Runaways to Magic Mike, Mad Max Fury Road, It Comes at Night, Riverdale, and more. The new film is called The Lodge. It's in theaters everywhere Friday, February 7th. We welcome its star Riley Keough and directors Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. Yay. That was like the best intro I've ever heard. Like I'm wow. really feeling myself right now. <laughs> As you should. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. Well, you guys, congratulations on a phenomenal achievement with this film. And thank you for making another classic. Actually, now we don't know what to say. Like the introduction was <laughs> like, so oh, intimidating. <laughs> this is going to be a classic podcast. Well, let's let's begin. We'll start by peeling back the layers and start with what each of you guys remember was your first impactful experience with horror as a viewer. I can, I know mine. Yeah, go for it. My mom and my brother and my whole family are like obsessed with horror films. I'm the only one that's kind of on the fence. And since I was little, like it, watching scary movies was like a huge experience in my family. And I kind of would participate sometimes, but... It was basically things like 
she'd make us watch Jaws on a boat or like we'd oh, like wow. or like we'd <laughs> go or like if we were skiing in the mountains then she showed us misery or on Christmas we watched Black Christmas it was always like she'd always make it like a very immersive immersive experience, experience. Right. <laughs> so and my oh, wow. family just loves you know this genre so I yeah very I do cool too. you guys First experience with the horror genre as viewers? I desperately trying to find the English title of Tanz the Vampire by oh. Roman Polanski. Maybe it's Dance of the Vampire. I don't wow. know. Uh, actually, it, it's. Uh, I thought it's a really serious, very dangerous vampire movie. I didn't get the comedy about it <laughs> when I saw it. I was 12 years old. And I was so scared that I would kind of, um, you know, I would kind of, be in my bed, kind of take the the blanket until to my nose so that no vampire could ever touch <laughs> my neck. <laughs> and I would kind of push furniture in front of the door so that they could also not come in there. So I was really frightened. Later on, I kind of <laughs> only understood that it was actually a comedy. I didn't get that back then. <laughs> And for me, it was uh, Psycho when I was like 10. My mom showed it to me and I've never, I had never seen anything like that. And for me, when she steals the money in the beginning, it was like super exciting. I felt, okay, this is the most exciting movie ever. Is she getting caught? There is the police. Wow. And my mom was sitting next to me, like totally bored and said like, <laughs> okay, don't worry. It's going to get more exciting soon. And I was like, what's she talking about i don't know like how more exciting and yeah then it happened like did it terrify <laughs> you at that age totally terrified me and like i had a huge problem because i saw jaws like uh, at a pretty similar age so i could neither shower nor swim uh, which is in summertime <laughs> really like a bad thing <laughs> so moving forward what were the films that kind of became canon for you your favorites that you tend to reference over and over again and rewatch as some of your favorites. I also had an experience with The Sixth Sense because that was the first scary movie I saw in a theater and I was so effing scared. I just caught myself, but I was so terrified. That really shook me for probably like five years. Just remember that one too. Yeah, that's a pretty disturbing uh, imagery yeah. there, especially with the, the imagery is really for a child. Like, right. It's... <laughs> Really, especially who, who's the actress in, in the tent where she was vomiting? Remember that uh, Misha Barton. Misha Barton. Oh yes. my god! Right. And then you have to watch the OC, right? and it's like, no, you're the <laughs> D-word from the freaking <laughs> thing. Bitch. See, I'm my mouth is so bad. It's all good. You're the girl from the tent that was puking. I know you can't fool us. And you guys? Yeah, I mean, there is so many, many, many films that we love and, and constantly rewatch. I mean, one that, that keeps coming up, like, uh, for me, uh, is uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like the Don Siegel version of it. That's, like, so scary and, I think, influenced, like, all of our movies, like For Good Night Mommy, which, like, raises the question of identity and uh, what makes us the person we are. I think that's all inspired by, like, those nice neighbors smiling and you're not sure are those my neighbors anymore or are they aliens or monsters and I think that's like fueling uh, yeah, many of our thoughts and scripts I would call The Exorcist oh, yes. yeah. it really kind of terrified me I was like shortly after Dance of Vampire how old, were, how, old were you, <laughs> how old were you when you watched The Exorcist? 14 I think Oh, and I was raised in a Catholic environment oh, like geez. very Catholic and it was it really scared the shit out of me and still does actually so I only watched it three times because every time <laughs> I mean even though I enjoy being scared it 
takes something to really kind of do it <laughs> so i really like it and yeah but w when we kind of when i started to watch movies with uh, severin we kind of really enjoy movies from the 60s so we would always call the innocence by jack clayton or um, bunny lake is missing like those uh, 60 movies can you talk a little bit about how you two met i heard the story and it was so cute they're my nannies both of them really both of them were my childhood nannies <laughs> yeah actually i mean was the story like that i mean unfortunately not riley's nanny but because like veronica's child back then was like a it's also like a weird weird kid <laughs> i like him i mean and maybe he's like uh, even weirder because i used to be the babysitter and i couldn't really understand why veronica would like have me take care of her kid i was 14 i was from the countryside and also like a weirdo like a movie nerd uh, type of guy who knew every single film in the local video store and i figured okay now i need to go to the next big city to see more movies so that was uh, basically one of the goals and then i met veronica <laughs> he was a very cheap babysitter because I only, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pay him any money, but I, we would go to the nearest video store, which still existed back then, and uh, rent VHS cassettes. So, uh, yeah, so we kind of like 18 or something cassettes for a weekend. <laughs> so pretty yeah, Which much. meant not a lot of sleep. And I was like, once the child was, was sleeping... <laughs> I tried to put him in bed early. <laughs> uh, I started, Show, we yeah. showed him Jaws before so that oh he could God. sleep. <laughs> and then I watched one after the other and Veronica would come home in the middle of the night and then just sit down and start watching with me and we found out we liked the same stuff in a way, which was like super weird. Wow, so your, your creative language as directors was kind of fostered even way back then as you were discovering these new films and stuff together. Yeah, I think a friendship grew out of that in a way or kind of a... Bondage is the wrong word? Right? Yeah, bondage <laughs> might be the wrong word. <laughs> well, a bond. That's not the word that's, you're that's looking for, problem. I don't think. <laughs> I think that's, it, that's not correct. <laughs> well, Riley, well, she's talking about bondage. bondage. <laughs> <laughs> So, Riley, take us on yep. the path of... Different podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Completely different. Or maybe not. Uh, take us on the path of pursuing bringing stories to life and what the forces were that compelled you towards being a storyteller. I can't... Re in general. Yeah. Um, I'd, I actually, since I can remember, wanted to make movies and f it was people. That was the first thing that was really interesting to me. Like, I wanted to film people when I was a kid and I had a video camera I think I got one when I was 12 or something 11 and then it turned into wanting to make up make movies and I would make scary movies first and then other kind of dramas with single mothers and things you do when you're 12 <laughs> um, and it just was mostly me wanting to make the movie and then if nobody else would be in them then I would be in them as well but mostly it was kind of like I would have my friends do it and I would boss them around and I want it to be very real and I would tie them to like dressers and you know if they weren't crying real enough I'd be like this isn't good you know <laughs> like I, was, I really was you know committed I have friends that can back this up um they're still upset at me for it um but I just really wanted things to be authentic like I wanted to capture real feelings on a camera and the idea of that was so cool to me for whatever reason and then that just grew into making films 
Well, it's really interesting to look back at your resume and see the very kind of liquid maneuvers that, uh, that you've made. You adapt exceptionally well to roles that you are really unrecognizable from project to project. And you also have been the muse of some of the most, not only great film directors, but almost everybody is an innovator or My a game changer. My ego is just <laughs> growing big. But it's, it's true. Like you've worked with <laughs> Lars von Trier, Steven yeah. Soderbergh, Floria Sigismondi, mm-hmm. David Robert Mitchell. These are all game changing directors. Yeah. Is there something that compels you towards those types of films probably and those types of people? Probably their work. Yeah. You know, like probably it's very filmmaker driven and their work. Um, people's work that I like. I like things I've never seen before. That's usually what it is for me. If I read something or or I watch the filmmaker's work and it feels like very singular or like something I've never personally experienced, then I that's what will make me do it. And then like I'm just lucky enough to have them want to work with me as well. <laughs> so cool. So after the success of Goodnight Mommy, you guys probably start getting tons of scripts. Different people want to work with you. And along comes a script that says untitled hammer film. I mean, first of all, what a legacy there, right? The great Gothic films from the fifties and seventies, Peter Cushing, Ingrid Pitt, all these wonderful, and you see this script. So what was inside? What was inside? Inside was a very, I think, very playful film that spoke to us because it's like, uh, we're as directors also playful and we like to be messed with in a way and that's what the script did beautifully it was very thrilling very exciting and like as you said before we fell in love with uh, hammer of course we loved it before we even read it in a way um then we figured we need to make it kind of our own and like bring us to the whole thing and yeah that took longer than we than we thought it would i mean we're usually not people who uh if you see the whole mountain then you would probably never start climbing it up and we're not working like that we just like start walking because we think oh the weather is nice it might be interesting let's go there without like seeing oh my god this is gonna take years and stuff because then you would never start so we just started walking and it was a long (laughs) it was a long road in a way but uh, we survived but maybe what we share totally share actually with Riley is that we want to experience something in cinema what we haven't kind of experienced before so we want to go where we haven't gone before so this would be the goal and um and yeah we are open to that and that's what we also want to see in cinema so unfortunately we don't know what we have done now because we have seen it like 100 times so we cannot <laughs> we don't know really if we, watch it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if we kind of succeeded but at least that would be the goal that uh, people experience something so it's not a formula it's not about jump scares it's not about like the usual stuff but it's something we hope that it's really scary in, in a different way was the origin of the story conceived by the three of you? Uh, Sergio Cassi as well? Kasky. No, the, it was like a pre-existing script that was sent to us. So he wrote the first, the first draft and then worked on it like with us. And then we... Well, <laughs> always, yeah, it happens always. We're like, Taking least, phone calls, drinking drinking yeah. alcohol. The, <laughs> it's yeah, 12 noon. Talking about bondage. <laughs> That's how we made the movie. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Yeah. New, new experience, All of those right? things were Talking present. Talking about new experiences. 
Um, no, I just wanted to add something because you said like the exorcist for you, it was also, it's like you have to bring yourself like to watch it because you know it's like a big experience every time you do. And same is for me, like for example, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I watched that like five times and every time it was an effort to start watching it because I knew I would be deeply disturbed. And actually that's, I think, what we are after not only as an audience but also as filmmakers to make films that are a challenge in a way and that are a challenge to watch and that people think should I do this today it will ruin my day <laughs> <laughs> now Riley's character Grace her performance is so important that the whole story would really fall apart unless it's orchestrated to perfection and her ability to perpetuate the many mysteries that are unfolding on screen What was it about her that enabled you to trust her with all that? I think we feel rather fortunate that she trusted us uh, with bringing herself to the whole thing. So I think, I mean, trust. I think we first saw Riley when we, we Skyped. We were in London and, and met her on Skype and she was actually... We always say, maybe it's a little bit exaggerated. She didn't even know like which movie we were discussing. It's like, oh, hi, I'm right. And we were like, we saw... <laughs> Quite sleepy. <laughs> I think that like the absurd part of them enjoyed that I had no preparation for the meeting. <laughs> I, no, think that, we, I think that they were like, oh yeah, you're, you'll, you're good. <laughs> That's great. And we totally fell in love because we saw something that was... It's, I mean, with actors actresses it's not so much about coming super prepared and knowing everything beforehand but like as a director you need to see something in a person that tells you or tells you in the feelings okay this person is exactly right and with Riley we had it from the very beginning we saw her for the first time and we felt okay she's right for the part for whatever reason it's not an intellectual process we just had the feeling okay that's her and then we we knew we trusted her like with that and the question was only the other way around how can we make riley trust us <laughs> which i still don't <laughs> yeah, but no, it's too late to give it. <laughs> actually i would describe it as love at the first sight so it's kind of a magic which happens which not which does not happen every time happen every time so it happened I think and we really kind of knew it from like the very first like minutes or like yeah moments we kind of uh, talked to her and yeah. yeah I think it's like as it's a very dark story and also for Riley's character very difficult one I think when, when we're talking about trust I think what we tried to do is shoot it as chronologically correct as possible like in sequence in order to have the character really go through this story and to get every part of that right. So I think that's something that we uh, tried to insist on and really fought for because we knew it was totally dependent on Riley's performance and we tried to do everything to kind of help her uh, be as, uh, uh, as free and as good as she could be in the part. Which is really important because a huge fear for me was that it wasn't going to be believable. That someone would that's seemingly normal would end up where she ends up and that like I, w I that was something that I was like are we is this gonna work you know like it, but that's starting from a place where she's not normal you know like she's not okay <laughs> you know and that was the difference so with that, with that you know your character goes to some dark places both in your mind and in what you see in the movie yeah. now what how did you prepare for that role what, what was the kind of direction or uh, advice did you give uh, Riley for, for a role when I 
signed up. <laughs> they huge had mistake. <laughs> huge mistake. <laughs> they had done like research. There was some, you know, on people who had been in this situation, and I was also like really kind of studying that a lot and watching documentaries and reading things on people who had been in similar situations and the suicide stuff and like uh, that like very specific to grace's experience and then also you know the other part of that is like you know stuff with your mind like problems people have and mental health and that kind of thing which is something that i have experience with so that part of it was it was kind of just um fitting you know imagining what that would be like for this person have with that background you know and then taking my own experience and kind of like creating something out of gathered things and then my own you know issues with I have anxiety and those kinds of things and imagining how far that could actually go and I think a huge fear for me is the fear of losing my mind like that's the most scary thing I could imagine so it was kind of like this thing of like I'm just gonna do it because it's like jumping in a cold pool right and being like and then I, I've done it now so you know you can't get me <laughs> <laughs> so Veronica and uh, Severin were there any films that you had Riley watched your recommendations for her role to prepare for her role um a vampire <laughs> don't know why but <laughs> they just like it <laughs> yeah i think that's that's more more or less the thing we showed her stuff that we like and it's not so much to prepare for the character because i think um, we're afraid of recreating cliches i mean we're huge lovers of of movies but when we make movies we try to start from reality so it was more like real people who had been in cults real lodges real places like look at that and be inspired um, from that and make a movie of our own not saying that we're not hugely in love with movies and we showed them to riley but it was more to like say okay that's what we like we hope you like it too so actually like our preparation is i think about building trust and spending time together so we also didn't make them to rehearse or we just kind of uh, like them to be together to spend time also the kids like Jaden and, and Leah. Uh, and yeah, we did that with Riley because, I mean, we, we kept her apart from the kids, obviously. <laughs> so Because, because they're they, not supposed to know each other yes. in the movie or not well. Oh, so you created that animosity in real, yeah, in real I mean, life. Yeah, Riley also wanted to do that. She, she knew that it would be better not to be too close to the kids. I tend to be like super mothering. Sure. And I was they're like so this, cute. and they're so cute. And I was just thinking like, this is, I need to, you know, well, when you Maybe. watch it, it feels real. Distance that myself a little, right? yeah. 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 There's this intense scene having to do with ice skating. Can you talk about the challenges of filming on ice? I can't imagine that would be easy. Yeah, actually, the easiest thing to do would be like in a studio and the producers, that was the first idea of the producers and we really fought for the idea to do it really on, on the lake, on the ice which is not easy to do because it kind of <laughs> plays with all the fears people have on ice. <laughs> Riley didn't feel so kind of yeah, secure. Yeah, it definitely plays with them because you're literally <laughs> on ice and it's melting. And you hear it and it's it's scary. I mean, it's like there's... they when you're acting in a cold place, they'll have like an actor's, actress's warm-up tent. And generally that's like the safe place to go. But <laughs> on, on this one, I went into the warm-up tent and I was sitting there for a second and then I, I looked down and it was melting. 
And I was like, sure, like no one's, there's how many films are filmed on ice? Like they're just doing what they normally do, make a warm up tent for the actors, put heaters in it, you know? But then the floor was melting and, I, and I'm like, this is it's the nice most like, this is, this is like, and I was like, this is dumb movie people shit. Like put it, put it, putting heaters to warm the actors on like ice, yeah. The film starts out really interesting, bathed in light. There's a lot of color, even focusing on the fizzy blue water that is being drunk and the reds and the wine and all these things. And as we progress, there's this brilliant drainage that happens, an absence of color, an absence of light. Silence is even brought in. More silence is brought in. And it adds an incredible negative space. And that black hole that you add is what puts the audience in your pocket. That's it it, like, we are very proud, proud that you said like that because that's actually everything we discussed like beforehand with the DOP. Like everything you said was uh, was how we hoped it would come across later on. So thank you so much for saying. And that. also the black hole because we think that you know the black hole in silence is much scarier than lots of sound design and lots of colors. So when you know when the moment comes that the sound is lacking and you only hear like certain noises. Um, it, it really gets to you, we think. It's like, as an audience, you're used that you're taken by the hand and really directed through the whole thing. It's like a thrill ride, which is basically also a very safe thing because it's like you're sitting in a cart that's like running on tracks and there is this ghost and this is happening. And we tried, okay, what's, what's if we just... Uh, Put the audience in a dark room, uh, turn the key, uh, and it's silence and nothing. And they have to think: okay, what might happen? Uh, what what could happen? And w what does it have to do with me? In a way, I think it's like exactly. it, it, it um, kind of throws the audience off balance in a way because they don't know what to expect and they don't know how to feel. And I think investing yourself to a movie uh, makes it much more interesting. So you're th thrown back to yourself in a way and you don't know and it, there's no music which tells you how to feel which music does like in, in usual like horror films that tell you oh now there is I a mean, threatening I mean the music scene. told me to be really scared that was just me <laughs> <laughs> like, the score really scared me <laughs> yeah, it was like really the score was really in yeah it's incredible intense yeah. it's got these like uh, quick uh, like violin violin stabs yeah right? like antique and acoustic it's and very analog we like yeah. to to Yeah, those two musicians were crazy on the one hand and great. I mean, they're because they're as we were super into like shooting it on 35 millimeter and as analog and real as possible in real places. And those two musicians, they also worked like that. It was like real analog instruments, and then they would use like a tape recorder to kind of mess with the sounds and stuff. So it's also very analog in a way, which talked to us. What about the design of the lodge itself? How did that augment? The experience for the story yeah i think as for all the other things we are like into real stuff so we knew okay that's the lodge like we wrote like in the script but let's now look for a real place and see what this could add potentially to the movie and the lodge that we found i mean it's much bigger than it uh, it was imagined like in the script it had like this amazing ethic which was honest one of the reasons that we picked the lodge although there was no ethic in the script but we felt okay this has this amazing personality so to speak this place we need to bring it on 
to our movie and we need to change the script and we need to have this large uh, shine and be also like a star of the of the movie yeah. we also tr we always treat uh, houses and locations like characters basically and we kind of really in, in this in good Night mommy was the same it was kind of um, the extension of the mother uh, and here it's it's again it's kind of the extension, extension of, of the absent mother of the absent mother the ghost, ghost house <laughs> and when it comes to the cross-shaped house It's again, it's a real house. So we didn't oh, wow. it. We just found it on our way looking for lodges. And um, yeah. That where, is where cool. Was, where, was the where was the location for the lodge? The, in, where was it filmed? Uh, in north to Montreal, like one and a half hours north to Montreal. Did you guys keep anything from the production? Like that creepy painting? Like oh, that yeah, was so creepy. Like, did you keep any costumes or props? I kept the dollhouse. Oh, cool. In the nice. house. <laughs> I kept my father. <laughs> <laughs> Still my dad. <laughs> I would like to have him in my <laughs> house, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were like looking for the cult leader and I was like, oh my God, look at my dad. <laughs> and at, this, at the time he had the craziest hair. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and they were just laughing and they're like yeah send him bring him <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> what happened to the painting um, yeah I think actually I was uh, thinking about it but I think we destroyed it because Riley oh. throws it like to the floor yeah, and yeah. I think she did it to all the paintings so I think there is no painting left actually. oh <laughs> there's also some amazing film references in there you got the shine you know, I have, uh, sorry to oh, interrupt yeah, yeah, yeah. you I have the painting like in the dollhouse oh, oh, it's yes. a small yes. version of it it's a small version of the painting <laughs> so I have it Riley awesome. didn't destroy that one That's amazing. W was uh, the reference to the thing in the original script or was that something that you put in there? No, it wasn't in the original script. Uh, there were movie references because Sergio is also like a movie guy. Um, the thing is like uh, came from us because we felt, okay, on the one hand, it's one of the coldest movies ever. It's like about Kevin Fever in, in a way. So we felt it was accurate. And also it's about you never know who the thing is, who the monster is. And we felt on another level that's kind of accurate also for our movie because you can never be too sure who is doing what and who is like maybe the thing. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Everybody see thank The you. Lodge in theaters everywhere February 7th. Amazing. Please. Please. I'm just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That was the Boot Crew Podcast episode 101. Special thanks to our guests, Severin Fiala, Veronica Franz, and Riley Keogh. Follow at Riley Keogh on Instagram. That's R-I-L-E-Y-K-E-O-U-G-H. And at The Lodge M-O-V on Twitter. See The Lodge in theaters Friday. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boot Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting. Podcast Network. Bye.
Disgusting.com slash podcasts.